Well, good morning. How are all of you this morning? Good? Good. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Barry. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life, and we're just so thankful that all of you decided to join us here this morning. Say it often, but whether this is your first time here at New Life or you've been coming for years, we're just so glad that you decided to make New Life part of your morning. Weekend worship is one of the most important things we can do, and we thank you for making that happen. Whether you're here physically or you're joining us on Facebook, we are just so privileged to have you here this morning. Because this morning, we're wrapping up this series that we've called Experiencing Growth, right? We've been looking at this continuum of a spiritual journey from an explorer to a believer to disciple, and then today to spirit-led. And we've traced that over the past couple of weeks, and someone actually asked me last night, where did, where did this come from? And this has been referenced a couple times, but this is the book that, that was written that we have used sort of as our template along the way. It's called Move. And they did a, a survey of over 1,000 churches, took the data, kind of distilled it down, and, and came up with this continuum. Now, some of the language is a little different. We've taken some of the language and sort of new-lifed it, right? But what we've come up with is sort of the explorer to the believer, to the disciple, to the spirit-led. And I get to talk about the spirit-led individual today. Now, through this whole series, our hope and our goal has been to do a couple of things. One, it's to help us identify where perhaps we are on that continuum, right? And then also to determine how we can, if we so desire, how we can take a next step, right? Because we aren't where we all need to be, right? Jesus is always calling us to a next step. And then also to help others take their next step as well, because we're a family. And so part of this is helping one another walk it through. And so our goal today is to just continue in that and help us to identify perhaps where we are. Are we at spirit-led? Are we not? And then perhaps if we aren't, how do we take the next step into that? Now, I'll tell you that I'm always pretty excited to be with all of you and having the opportunity to preach. But I'm not as excited today, and that's because I just spent the past week with my wife, Leslie, in Maine, celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary. Yeah. You shouldn't really clap for us. You should clap for my parents who watched our three kids. God bless them. We actually came home, and my daughter said, why did you come home? I said, well, I didn't miss you either. You know? I'm glad you had, fun, you had a lot of fun with Granny and Pappy, but, you know, we did have to come home. But it was amazing. Maine in late September, early October is incredible. The weather was like what we had here yesterday, cool in the morning, sunny and in the mid-60s all week. Oh, it was just so refreshing. The, probably the best part was I got to spend time with my wife. And we have three little ones, and we love our kids. But do you ever have, try to have an adult conversation with three kids in the room? It's like you take a moment to pause, just to breathe, and they're like, hey, I have an idea, right? And we were able to share entire sentences with each other on this trip. We were able to, to talk, to reconnect. And I thought it probably wasn't by any accident that I am now today talking about what is my most important relationship, my relationship with Jesus, on the heels of spending time investing in what is the second most important relationship in my life, my marriage, right? Because if we've learned anything throughout this whole thing, it's that God loves us desperately, right? God loves us desperately. Pastor Brad actually shared a couple of weeks ago about explorers, and he said that explorers are not far from God because God is not far from explorers. 
Explorers aren't far from God. God loves us relentlessly. He wants to have a relationship with us. He is not far. Pastor Chris went from there and talked about becoming a believer, right? Becoming a believer. And that happens ultimately when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. So as we grow in Jesus, it starts when we trust Him as our Savior and Lord. So as we move from an explorer to believer, we trust in Jesus. And Pastor Chris said that as believers, we experience slow but steady growth, ultimately as we invest time in the Bible. Pastor Alex shared last week about disciples, and he reminded us of Pastor Pastor Chris's words that God believes in us. God believes in us. He believes in us so much that he calls us to join him in his work. And as we grow as disciples, we do what Jesus did, and we actually start to look like Jesus here on earth, which leads us to spirit-led. Now, spirit-led, as we often say here at New Life, is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple in the fact that it's easy to understand, but uh, it's not easy in the fact that it requires a tremendous amount of commitment on our end. But I think it's summed up quite nicely in what is our take-home point, and the take-home point is the one point that I really hope to make today, and it quite simply is this. To be spirit-led, we must be willing to be led by the Spirit. And you're like, well, duh. I know you come to us for the really deep insights, right? Simple. That's the thing I love about our Lord and Savior. He doesn't make things hard. He doesn't. It's not hard. But what does it mean to be spirit-led? What does that actually look like? Well, according to Move, and I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from the book this morning, and we think that that really distills down what we're trying to get at. But the definition of spirit-led quite simply is this. The people in this segment would identify their relationship with Jesus as the most important relationship in their entire lives. They see their lives as fully surrendered to Jesus and his agenda, subordinating everything to his will and his desire. So in short, Jesus is in control, right? Jesus is in control. They have, as spirit-led followers, they have a couple of distinct markers in their lives. Again, according to Move, these folks are Jesus' workforce. They do everything, serve the church, care for the poor, tithe, and evangelize. And they demonstrate all of these behaviors, not just one or two, in greater proportion than any other segment. They give of everything. To be spirit-led is to unlock the secret of what I believe is the normal Christian life, surrender. To be spirit-led ultimately means that we have surrendered to Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Now, this isn't a new model. It's actually the model that we see in in Jesus, right? Jesus left the throne of heaven to come and serve, to surrender, to give his very life for all of us. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus actually said he did nothing of his own will. He came only to do the will of the Father. So in Jesus, we have the ultimate model. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, 
The words will also be up here on the screen if you don't have any of those this morning. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But as you look that up, let's pray. Father God, we ask and pray that as we delve into your word this morning, that you would lead God and direct us, open our hearts to hear the message that you have for us today. Father, speak truth through your word. May we be willing and open to receive it. In your name, amen. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, I'll tell you, I memorized this in the older version of the NIV. We have the newer version of the NIV. So if I stumble over a word, just know I'm going from memory on some of this, okay? So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking to your own, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen, right? Oh, it's an incredible passage. One of my favorites. So what we see in the life of Jesus, quite simply, is that surrender. He didn't come for his own will. He didn't come for his own desires. He didn't have his own agenda. He put all of that aside to do the work of the Father, to be led and guided and directed by Him. He sacrificed Himself for the benefit of all of us, and all He asks is that we do the very same. Again, from MOVE, Spirit-led believers emerge from a battle between two sets of values, the secular values that define personal identity, happiness, security, and success for much of the world, and the spiritual values of selfless love and dedication to others that characterize a life centered in Jesus. So, let's see if we have this right. To be spirit-led, all we basically need to do is surrender everything to Jesus, set aside our own personal wills and agenda, lay aside our own dreams, goals, and ambitions, lay aside our identity and anything that is of inherent value to us, lay it all at the feet of Jesus to have him do whatever he would want to do in our lives every single day. You know what? And I'm completely fine with all of it, right up to the surrender part, which is the first part if you've been paying attention. I don't surrender well. I don't. It's in my human nature. But even a little bit more than that, I come from a family where we pride ourselves in not surrendering well. We just don't. We have strong German heritage. And we are actually very proud of the fact that in our German heritage, we don't do what we're told. 
I jokingly said last night that oftentimes I'll be at a conference and a worship service and a worship leader will say, raise your hands. And in my own human flesh, I go, nope, not going to do it. Just because you told me to. Tammy said, I'm not going to tell anybody to. I said, Tammy, the problem is not you. The problem's me. The problem is me. And I realized that. I don't surrender well. When I first read Philippians chapter 2, I was 16 years old, and we had to learn and memorize the passage for Bible quizzing. The church that I was a part of, we would memorize passages of Scripture, and then we'd go and have competitions on it, or as I like to call it, go and meet girls. So so we memorized Philippians chapter 2, and as I was memorizing it, I hated it. I didn't like it. I especially didn't like verse 10. The whole part that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Now, I thought the whole under the earth part was kind of cool because that's like demons and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you get them. But me, didn't like that part. Didn't like it at all because I don't bow well. I actually, in my 16-year-old mind, rationalized it like this. The passage says that at some point, everyone will bow. Everyone will bow. So I have a choice, right? Here's my pride. I have a choice to either, of my own will and volition, bow now, or I'm going to be forced to bow. So I'll bow now. Selfishly, I made a choice because I knew that I could have control over that. Isn't that a little messed up? (laughs) Wow, the depths of my own depravity, right? My goodness. Best decision I ever made. God took that. He worked with that. He took that selfish bow and he's used it to reshape my life. And that's the great thing about our Lord He is so patient. Since then, I've come to realize that that choice is the best one I ever could have made. Because, as they say in Move, for the Spirit-led, they know their weaknesses. They acknowledge their dependence on Jesus. They humbly confess, my name is Barry. And I have a problem. I'm a fallen creature. No denials. No attempts to shift blame, and I love this part, no ongoing guilt. I'm fully aware of who I am outside of Jesus, but he's redeemed me. And the guilt that used to so plague my life is gone because of the work of Christ. They go on to say they have come to honestly recognize that left to themselves, the lore of this world is irresistible. They can only escape its pull through the power of the gospel of Jesus. The only way that we see ourselves through this life is through the power of the gospel of Jesus. I often say that left to my own devices, I would seek to destroy me as fast as I possibly could. Fully aware of who I am. Pastor Chris often talks about trying to shoot his mom when he was a young kid. That's inside all of us. He just let it out for a moment. Fully aware of who we are, but yet fully aware of God and who's redeemed us. 
So according to MOVE, if you're in the spirit-led stage, there are five things that you seek from the church and from those around you, and they are these. One, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. Two, help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. Three, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Four, challenge to grow and take next steps. And five, encouragement to take personal responsibility for spiritual growth. We've discussed a number of those already. We're going to look at them here a little bit more in depth uh, for a couple of them. But for some of them, we've looked at them uh, a lot, so we're just going to kind of glance over those. But I wanted to point out one thing. Actually, I wanted to point out two things. The first is the, the order in this list is exactly the same as it was for disciples. So when you're a disciple, you have basically the same list before you. The difference being that in the Spirit-led, each one is done to a greater capacity, right? There's a greater capacity there. There's, there's more to be done. The second thing is what's not on this list, okay? As we went through uh, explorers and believers, there was one that stood out, and that was a compelling worship service. That is not on this list. That's not to say that for Spirit-led and disciples that the worship service isn't important. It is. Obviously, they still attend, but it's just not as high on the priority list as it is earlier on in spiritual growth and development. So, number one, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. So, for the Spirit-led, the the switch that's flipped here is the Bible no longer is viewed as simply a book by which to gain knowledge. It's not a textbook. The Bible is the living and active Word of God, by which we have a primary means to engage with the Creator of the universe. It is a tool by which we build the relationship. It's not about knowledge, it's about the relationship. Knowledge is important, and that is still there. Study and all of that is highly encouraged and Spirit-led seek that. However, it's known and understood that the Bible is not simply a textbook. Which is interesting because for most of us, Pastor Chris actually mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we've got a number of Bibles that inhabit the space usually on the bottom shelves of our bookcases. Or if you were like in our college dorm, we used it to prop up the corner of the couch. Living Word of God helps hold up the couch. Should tell you about our spiritual state when we were in college a little bit, right? We have the active Word of God before us, and there it sits. Now, if you're like me and at different points in your life have had a struggle in reading the Word of God, I want to tell you about something that we're actually planning on doing more fully a year from now in the fall of 2020. How's that for pre-planning, right? Mark it on your calendars. You've got plenty of time to prepare. We're going to do a thing called immerse. Now, what immerse is is quite simply, it's the Bible, but all the chapters and verses and headings have been taken out. So it reads like a novel or a book. And you walk through the Bible as a group, answering some simple questions, walking it through, and you just see what God does as you read through his word. And it's incredible. Pastor Chris is actually taking a group of folks through it right now, and it's been profound. Why? Because as we engage with the active and living word of God, he changes us. He has to. It's promised. So if you want to get a copy, just Google it, Immerse Bible, pick one up, and then get ready for the fall of 2020 when you can join a group and do that as well. 
So, number one, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. Number two, help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. As we've already mentioned, that relationship is primary for the Spirit-led. So, a lot of effort and time is given to maintain that relationship, and we're actually going to look at that here a little bit more in depth in a moment. Number three, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually stays on the list. We've discussed that pretty well over the previous weeks. Number four, challenges to, challenge to grow and take next steps. We're never done taking a next step. God is infinite. We never get to the end of God, right? Pastor Mark always says that for each of us, we have a next step, and we always will. And so we need to be challenged to take that next step. Number five, encouragement to take personal responsibility for spiritual growth. Personal responsibility for spiritual growth. What does that mean? Well, this kind of gets back to that relationship bit, but ultimately it's, it's disciplines, daily disciplines. For the Spirit-led, they realize that left to their own, the call of the world is too strong, and it's a relationship. So, I spent a week with my wife after 10 years of marriage. 10 years. I actually said to her, I feel like a real adult. You know, we've paid bills, we've had a couple kids, like I feel like we've kind of, we've done really well at this. But how good would our relationship have been if we'd only spent maybe five to ten minutes a day talking? Or maybe once or twice a week we had an interaction for a moment here or a moment there. That's not a sustainable relationship. It's just not. In order for that relationship to thrive, we need to be in communication with each other. We need to spend time with one another. We need to both invest for the success of that relationship. It's no different in our relationship with God. Again, MOVE is helpful when it says, not only do spirit-led followers want to understand the Bible, but they've committed to reading it every day and reflecting on how it applies to their lives. They seek solitude and build a relationship with Jesus by spending time in prayer every day where they freely confess sins, seek guidance, and submit their lives to the Lord. This is one of the primary distinctions that separates spirit-led from all other categories, are these disciplines every day. Not simply just reading the Bible, but reflecting upon it and asking God, what are you revealing to me? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me about who I am and who you are and how we interact with one another? The daily time in prayer not just a laundry list of our concerns, but willfully submitting to God, asking Him what He would have us do, surrendering over and over and over again. Now, the outflow of these, relation, or these, uh, these disciplines, these relationship-building disciplines, are the fruit that we see in the lives of us who are Spirit-led. It's the surrender, it's the service, it's the generosity. It's the giving away. All of that is based upon this relationship with Jesus founded upon disciplines. But it's awesome, isn't it? Profound life change flowing from the throne of heaven. Isn't that awesome? For those of us who are spirit-led, what we know and what we realize and what we hope for everyone else is that they begin to experience a life and experience life to the full, the freedom that we find within Jesus when we ultimately submit and bend the knee. Now, 
That isn't to say that those of us that are spirit-led are perfect. We're not. We're still human. And actually, within the book, they point to two things that are still kind of our kryptonite. And it comes down to serving and stewardship or generosity. We live in America, right? Where we're a horribly materialistic and selfish culture. We just are. One of the things I love about doing foreign mission is, is that we get to go to these other places and I get to get exposed to other cultures. And it kind of breaks me free from being American for a little bit. and kind of shows me what we do well and some of the stuff that we don't do well. Some of the stuff we don't do well as a culture is we're selfish. Here at New Life, we talk all the time about giving back to God a portion of His time, His talent, His treasure, and His touch. And we do that repeatedly because, as a culture, we struggle with that. And MOVE bears that out. What they say is that most times we know that we should be generous with all of those things, even as spirit-led, but we aren't. We continue to cling. We continue to hold. So we're spirit-led, but we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But God is patient and generous and kind and leads us through these things. When we open the door a crack, he rushes in. He rushed into the the room of a 16-year-old who just read a passage of Scripture that he didn't agree with at all. But out of my own selfishness, I thought, well, we'll give it a try. He took that. He's used that. He's honored that. He's blessed that. I was driving to work the other day. I don't know if you uh, have ever done this, but I was driving to work, and uh, I was really working some stuff through with God. Anybody ever do that on your drive? You know, you start, you're working some stuff through. And I, I was getting the impression, like, boy, God's really, he's, he's really revealing some stuff to me, uh, and I'm just praying, and I'm interceding, but at the same point, I'm really distracted. It's like, oh, there's a squirrel. Oh, there's a house. Oh, there's, is there any deer in that field? Is that a turkey? You know, I mean, it's like, what's with all the wildlife? I don't know. But I just could not bring myself to focus. Couldn't do it. And I have the God of heaven, like, revealing stuff to me. And I'm like, that's cool, God. But did you see that cornfield? Boy, that really took off later in the year after all that rain. Who knew? Honestly, these are real thoughts going through my head. And I stopped and I went, God, forgive me. I felt like such a failure. I just felt like such a failure that I couldn't bring myself to focus enough that God could actually do what he wanted to do. Couldn't do it. And in that moment, again, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened a few times to me. You get that little still small voice, that little audible voice in your head. And uh, it basically said this, when have you ever done this before? It's like, uh, well, like this, never. I mean, this is, this is new. Okay. Uh, would you have been able to do this two or three years ago? No, no, couldn't have done this two or three years ago. Yeah, so Barry, that's what we call growth, and we're, we're, that's good. And then the God of the universe said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of the steps that you're making. Now go get them. And the next thing I knew, I pulled into the parking lot here. I think I might have run over a squirrel. I don't know. Because the God of the universe used those last few moments to just tell me, my dad told me how proud he was of me. How proud. It was incredible. I opened the door. I could have taken on the world. 
Nothing would have held that back. Because the God of the universe in that moment broke in. Guilt removed. Carrying that guilt, boy, he takes it away. It's incredible. And that is what we experience as we allow God into our lives to lead us and guide us by his Holy Spirit. That kind of life. And it's the kind of life that honestly, no one else is worth living. That's the kind of life that we need. Our entire mindset shifts from one of I have to, to I get to. Pastor Chris says this all the time. When I first came on here at New Life, I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? He's like, I get to go do this really hard thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you get to go do it, buddy. But he's right. You get to. We get to spend time with God. We get to be in his word. We get to have the opportunity to spend time with the creator of the universe, to walk with him in the cool of the evening. And when we do, he changes us. He transforms us. He renews us. He comes in and does the stuff that we cannot do. And that is incredible. We get to. I didn't have to go to Maine with my wife for a week. I got to. I got to. This brings us to the next step for this week, which simply states this. I will allow the Spirit to lead my life this week. If we've learned anything from this series, it's that God loves us, that He is not far from us, that He wants to be in a relationship with us. That relationship begins when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. As Jesus enters into our lives, we move from explorers to believers. We begin to live the life that Jesus would have lived. We begin to enter into His work as his disciples, and then we, we surrender, we bend the knee, we bow before him, we lay it all before him and go, you lead it from here, Dad, because I can't do this on my own. And we get to spend time with the creator of the universe every day, from which he pours forth more blessing than we could ever possibly know or imagine. And so, and so, may we this week Live that spirit-led life where we get to be about the work of our Father and we get to be in that relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You, we praise You for who You are, for the work that You have done. Father God, I ask and pray that above all things, that even now Your Spirit would speak to our spirits. Father, revealing to us who You are. Father, that You would minister to our spirits. Father, that you would speak in mighty and powerful ways. Father, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are, for what you've done. May we live it out this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen.